from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The biggest games of the football season are coming, and BetRivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bet. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast Monday edition, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. I had lots and lots of time to look at Monday Night Football to prepare, to talk about. So I'm very excited to get to that. But first things first, let's talk about Sunday uh, and Saturday, really. I didn't bet a lot on Saturday, to be honest. I told you, I try to take betting breaks. And I know wildcard weekend sounds like a weird one to do, but I had two bets on Sunday and I just kind of wanted to ride with those. So 49ers at Cowboys, a lot of controversy at the end there. But here's what I'll say about it. If you watch this game, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But why, why, why did Dak run for 17 yards with 14 seconds left? Why? I, I do not know. So do not come for the ref who ha- who's just doing his job. Um, tough, tough ending. And uh, I'm just going to go back to that cliche thing of they had a lot of other minutes to win that game and that was not going to happen in that final minute. And also, plus also, I said last week, I believe it was with Mike Yam from NFL Network when he was on, my confidence level of the Rams in wildcard weekend was lower than my confidence level of the 49ers who were going against this supposedly great Cowboys team. And yet again, the cracks are there. And I feel bad for Cowboys fans because what else does this team need at this point? What do you need to be a real playoff team at this point, a real contender? Not even that, like a real contender for the Super Bowl. What more do you need personnel-wise? Like, you have all these offensive weapons. Unbelievable. So, that said, I had the 49ers money line plus 135. I woke up Sunday morning. I had been mulling it over, and I woke up and just felt like it's the 49ers day. And frankly, I should have felt like that last week when I had the Rams in my... uh, I took the Rams in the 49ers game. But we'll get into also why I am so timid to take the Rams, even though every sign arrow stat is pointing me towards laying the points with the Rams versus the Cardinals on Monday night football. The intangibles, the immeasurables are going to be what's so hard for me to get past. So, uh, 
nice to win a little plus money with the 49ers money line plus 135 because I did not win my other bet, which was Steelers at Chiefs under 46 and a half. It looks so good about, you know, almost two quarters through. And then all of a sudden there was just an eruption of points and don't even get me started on the second half. So I'm pretty sure the Chiefs covered just about every alternate spread there was out there. Uh, so yes, under 46 and a half did not, did not cash for me. So unfortunate, but still came out ahead because of that plus 135 money. Gotta love it. So, oh, and before we get into it, let's talk about this really quick as well before I get into the rest of the show here and we talk Monday Night Football, USC football. Oklahoma transfer, who's shocked to hear those words? Oklahoma transfer wide receiver Mario Williams has committed to USC. Is it Mario or Mario? Is it like, is it like Mario the artist or Mario like Super Mario Brothers or is it Mario? I feel like it's usually Mario. So anyways, wide receiver Mario Williams has committed to USC. That's reuniting with his coach Lincoln Riley. He was rated the number 43 overall prospect and the number four receiver in the 2021 class. Also, Lincoln Riley landed a national four-star wide receiver from the class of 2022, CJ Williams, during last Saturday's All-American Bowl. So two Williams wide receivers should be confusing and very fun to watch. Unless, of course, you are a UCLA fan like myself. And Chip Kelly, by the way, we didn't talk about this. I'll probably talk about this more on Wednesday's episode because we'll get into a little bit more college. But Chip Kelly renews his contract, uh, or rather signs a new one, four-year deal. And Azanaro... UCLA defensive coordinator again where I've been slipping guys I haven't been talking about this much I think it was waiting for all of the things to shake out and the dust to settle a little bit but Azanaro resigned himself the defensive coordinator so changes brewing in Westwood always a favorite fun pun to say but we're not talking about any of that today in today's show Monday night football first wild card round Cardinals at Rams you know we have to talk about it I'm also going to be on Rush Hour on Monday if you're listening to this Monday morning. Good morning. I hope it's going to be a great week for you. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be on Rush Hour, which is on VSIN with Danny Burke. Uh, also a show sponsored by Bet Rivers. And that I'll be on at 3.15 p.m. Pacific time. And I'll be talking about probably more of this Monday Night Football business. So um, something to look forward to. Then, of course, I'm going to get into the NBA, which has been by far my most profitable I was going to say genre, but category uh, so far with betting. Uh, it's been NBA and a little bit of college basketball, frankly. But really, the NBA has been pretty profitable for me. Um, and it's mostly betting the Lakers and the Clippers, if you can believe it, who are both in action on Monday night. Jazz at the Lakers. And then, well, the Clippers are actually playing Monday afternoon. So if you're listening to this Monday morning, the Clippers haven't played yet. But if you're listening to this around 2 p.m. on Monday or later, then you probably missed the Clippers game. That said... I do have thoughts, so there there is a bet to play, I believe. But if you missed it, don't worry about it because the Jazz at the Lakers is also Monday night. And, of course, I'm going to want to wrap up the UCLA and USC men's basketball weekend. They both took on Oregon teams. I'll let you know how it went. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. For the NFL, just one game. Oh, Chargers. I saw, I forget who I saw tweet this, but they basically said, I think we just dodged seeing a Chargers implosion this weekend. And then somebody followed up and said, well, we just saw it a week earlier, which is so true. So I guess I'm just saying I missed watching Justin Herbert play, but 
Instead, I got to see Jimmy G play and he made me some money. So Monday Night Football, Cardinals at the Rams. Rams are a three and a half point favorite. Matt Stafford, do not mess this up. Total sitting at 49 and a half now. This is precipitously dropped. We'll talk about it, but I'm, I'm shocked to see this down to minus three and a half now. Not shocked because it shouldn't be there, but just shocked because it's kind of a big line movement, especially for a big, big primetime game. NBA. The odds. Clippers are 12 to 1 to win the West, 25 to 1 to win it all. And they are in action on Monday afternoon. As I said, I believe it starts at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Pacers at Clippers. Clippers a two-point favorite on Bet Rivers. As for the Lakers, they are 6 to 1 to win the West, 14 to 1 to win the championship. And then they are in action Monday night. Jazz. They are hosting the Jazz. Jazz are minus four and a half at the Lakers. How do you not take the Jazz here? Truly. We'll get into it. You can find all these odds at Bet River Sportsbook. Monday Night Football. Let's start there. Cardinals at Rams. As I said, lots of movement with this line. I believe opened at four and a half. Total sat at 50. Total came down to 49 and a half. So just a half point drop. I liked, I liked uh, to dream of playing an under in this game. Dream of the world, of the situation that that happens. And it's a playoff game. And maybe they this and that. But... I just think there's no way around this. It, it seems like an over to me, and I'll explain why in a few moments. But just a small drop down to 49 and a half. As for the spread, the Rams, four and a half point favorites, down to four, down now to three and a half. So a full point swing here for the Rams, which is interesting. It's interesting. Uh, now, what I will say is we've seen the Cardinals and Rams play twice this season already, week four and week 14. Both teams won outright as small road underdogs in their regular season meetings. Now the Cardinals are coming to the Rams house again, home field in air quotes, because I don't think the Rams have true home field advantage. Most NFL teams don't, uh, but teams like the Chiefs, I would say even the Steelers do. Uh, the Bills, perhaps, Bills Mafia, right? That's a thing. They're the table breakers. But the Rams do not. The Rams do not. So I don't know how much that helps them except for limiting the travel aspect. Cardinals. Really having the wheels come off here at the end for the end of the season for them. Five and six since a seven and zero start to the season. And they've lost four of their last five games. That's big yikes heading into playoffs. Heading into wildcard weekend. The Rams, meanwhile, wins in five of their last six games. But, little note, asterisk, cliff note, three of those five wins were by only one score. So not blowing people out here. This is not a killer team the way that you would expect it to be performing based on the personnel. And all of this, like, of course, happening amidst the Matthew Stafford unraveling, is what I've settled on calling it. Rams have turned the ball over nine times in the last four weeks. No. No. Can't keep happening. Can't keep happening. Um, and that's really, unfortunately, all a Matt Stafford problem, in my opinion. It just is. I, I don't know where else you look because I think that he's been given enough protection. It it's just... Let's talk about how the Cardinals have been trending down because I'll come back to Matt Stafford. Uh, these are some great stats from Football Outsiders. If you look at the end of November DVOA, um, the Cardinals were fourth while the Rams were sixth. So that was like end of November, before any of the December games, right? Fast forward to now, the Rams have improved to fifth, so up a spot, but the Cardinals have dropped six spots down to 10th. Fourth to 10th. 
in about four-ish weeks. That's not good. Uh, I put <laughs> my next note here says defense question mark because where is it Cardinals? Where, what's going on? They were sixth overall. They're now ninth in weighted defensive DVOA. Um, and by the way, this might be getting a little too statty for you, but you guys just let me know. All of the double-digit negative pass defense DVOA games. So all the good pass defense games, basically, is what that's saying, came in the first 11 weeks of the season for them. Except for their Week 13 game versus Chicago, but neither team was really passing in that game because of the wind. So all their good pass defense, first 11 weeks. That said... How do you not look at a Matt Stafford passing prop? I will. We'll, we'll get into the props. I have lots of them. I keep talking about the things we're going to get into. We have so much. We have so much to get into this week. Uh, so, more problems for the Cardinals. I'm sorry. Like It seems like I'm so down on the Cardinals, but I really am just looking at this, and they're just... This is, the tr this is the way they've been looking. This is where it's trending. And part of that is because they're missing some key people. DeAndre Hopkins... Without him, they've struggled. In games that he plays, the Cardinals are 8-2 and two with two one-score losses. Like, that's huge. Without him, they're 4-3. and three. Coincidence? I think not. They also lost Rondale Moore for most of last month, and that's extra bad because they're the only team in the NFL that ran four wide sets on more than 8% of their snaps. 14% per sharp football stats. So if you're missing two wide receivers and you usually run four, and especially if one of those is DeAndre Hopkins, that is disastrous for this offense. Now, I'm going to pause here to say that the problem with this game and handicapping this game for me was the intangibles. And what am I talking about? I don't know. It's a primetime game. The Cardinals have really leaned into this rivalry with the Rams and... I don't know. It's just, it, 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 we know that there's going to, they have that gear. It's, it's the Kyler Murray effect, I guess, as well. There's like a little sparkle of that on this game as well, where you know that Kyler Murray could just take off and do things on his own. Arizona is this big play team as well. Um, so I could see them just, and who better to do it against than Matt Stafford, right? I could see the defense scoring for the Cardinals here. So that is kind of the, the part that's been tough to ignore, but when I look at the way that this team has looked as of late, it's not good. Now, that said, the Rams are down some players. They're going to be missing starting safeties, Jordan Fuller due to an ankle injury, and also Taylor Rapp due to concussion. So does that open things up for Kyler Murray, even though he's got down these two wide receivers? I don't know how that kind of cancels out. I still think that they're going to be struggling to cover that. Van Jefferson, by the way, questionable for the Rams. And if he doesn't play, that is just a huge hit for the Rams, at least for their deep passing game, because he's been one of their biggest targets all season in regards to that. Um, and obviously Robert Woods being out, a huge problem. So that is something to consider for passing on both sides here. Rams offense, though. They have been struggling. And who is at the helm of that offense but none other than Mr. Matt Stafford. So... If we look back at the two games when these teams have already played, in week 14, the Rams won. So most recently, huge, huge switch for them because week four was just a beat up. But in week 14, big game for Cooper Cup. He got 13 of 15 passes. And I think his passing 
uh, receptions right now on Bet Rivers is set at seven and a half, but I think it's juiced to like minus 180. If you don't mind that kind of juice, then go lay it because there's no way he doesn't get more than eight receptions in this game. Uh, but in that week 14 one, 13 to 15 passes, 123 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it was also, by the way, OBJ's most efficient game of the season for him. He caught six of seven for 77 yards and a touchdown. And it was actually one of the two games, one of two, where he went over 40 yards. Plus, it was actually his highest catch rate by a lot. So with that all factored in, uh, this Rams offense, as usual, is poised to be prolific. And yet they're not. And... <laughs> A lot of it has to come with the unsteadiness of Matt Stafford. So all of that to say, what are the keys to the win for the Rams? I'm not even going to do the Cardinals because this is an LA city cast. Let's get it together here. But it has to be the Rams pass rush, right? Kyler's their biggest threat. It's their biggest problem. Um, at least that's the Rams biggest problem. And so if you can keep Kyler on his toes and ideally on his butt, uh, that is going to be legitimately crucial for this win. Uh, Kyler was pressured eight times in week four, but he was pressured 18 times in week 14. Thank you, Aaron Donald and co Von Miller, etc. And also Von Miller was added to the mix after that week four. So that's just one more veteran, uh, who's able to provide that kind of pressure that is going to scare Kyler. We hope, right? So pass rush has to be doing its job. Stafford has to be doing his job in the sense of we know he's going to sling it for a bajillion yards, but he has to take care of the ball. There can't be these turnovers. That said, I think we're going to see one. More on that in a moment. <laughs> rush offense. Rush offense here. Uh, Sony Michelle and Cam Akers, maybe, question mark. I mean, Akers played 20% of the offensive snaps in his season debut versus the 49ers last week. So I'm hoping to see more from him. I think his rush prop is at around 40, 40 and a half yards. Sonny Michelle's is much higher, uh, but that is just going to do a world of help, not hurt for Matt Stafford to have that rush offense going as well. So I always think it's funny when people talk about keys to the win for a game, because it's always like, well, if they do great at everything, they're going to score more points and they're going to win. Like, <laughs> so basically the keys are don't mess up, do your job. Rams pass rush, put pressure on Kyler, Stafford take care of the ball, rush offense gets going to take pressure off of Stafford, and we should be good. Just those three things, no big deal. Uh, because I'm not, I don't I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. I don't know what they're going to do, but I do think they're feisty. Uh, that said, let's get into some props. On the Rams side of things, well, ATS first of all, Rams haven't covered their last three games, in case you missed it. But they did cover four straight before that. That was kind of when the wheels started to shift for me. They're sixth in points per game. They're 15th in opponents' points per game. But they are seventh in opponents' points per play. Uh, fourth in yards per play. How do you not look at a Matt Stafford over at this point, like I talked about? Over 272.5. 272.5 is the number on Bat Rivers. Uh, I don't even think it was juiced yet to the over. It was still around minus 110. He's gone over that 12 of 17 games, but only two of the last five. So I was wondering why this wasn't a little bit higher, and then I kind of looked into how has he looked as of late. But that said, who was that against? The 49ers, the Vikings, uh, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr? No, pass. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. 
two of the last five, that's it. But he's gone over 272 and a half. But both times versus Arizona, he went over that. Now, not by a ton. I think that one of the games was 280. The other one was right around there as well. So it's not like he's blowing this out in those two games, but he did go over both times. And I mean, if I trust Matt Stafford to do anything, it's to pass until his arm falls off and also possibly mm, to throw an interception. I thought it was interesting that Stafford's over a half interception prop is minus 118. Do we think that playoff Stafford is going to shore up all of the problems he's been having with these turnovers? I don't know. He's he's 0-3 in playoff games, right? Now, I know that was with the Lions. Okay. But I don't think this is the moment where he's going to decide to stop giving the ball to the other team if history tells us anything. So over a half interception for Stafford at minus 118, not even that much juice, just to throw one? I think he could. He's also minus 143 to have the most passing yards, so over Kyler Murray. And I don't think that's crazy juice either. I think he's going to pass a lot more than Kyler is because we know that Kyler has the option of getting it done with his feet. So um, Stafford minus 143 to have the most passing yards, also very interesting to play. Of all of those... I like the over-interception prop the best. I'm sorry. That's what he's been doing consistently lately, has he not? So I wish I wish it wasn't true, but that's the one I like the best. Aaron Donald over half a sack is also minus 110. Pff, where? Why? What? I don't bet this every week or anything, but this seems like a game especially where you could see this from him. Now, to be fair, in week four, he had zero against Arizona, but... He had three the last time they played in week 14, and he's had at least one sack in nine out of 17 games overall. I think your worst case scenario, he gets a half sack. I think that's your worst case scenario. So I love that. That's also only minus 110. Stafford interceptions minus 118 with the juice. Um, and then if you really want to get spicy, I don't know why this jumped out to me. I thought it was interesting. This would be more of a fun play than a advisable play, but Greg Gaines over a half sack is plus 310. And he's had one in three of his last seven, which doesn't sound great, but one of those was against Arizona. And I don't know. I'm just like kind of getting on the gains train. I think that he's going to be fired up. I think he's going to, I don't have anything better to say than I really just think that the way he's been playing lately, I can see him getting that. And plus 310, that's kind of a fun one. Uh, Cardinals. I don't have much to say about this here. What do I think? Like, I don't want to bet. I could bet on a Kyler Murray rushing yards prop don't really want to do that there was a side-by-side -side of him versus cam Akers in terms of rushing that was kind of interesting where cam Akers had some plus money and i was like well he's literally a running are we saying that he's not gonna, <laughs> he's not gonna run but that's just how much kyler could do so that was one interesting thing where i thought well maybe you take cam Akers and some plus money versus kyler murray's rushing yards uh, but really i think i was gonna say my favorite play but it's not I do lean to the over here, over 49 and a half. I, it's a lean, but not a play for me. I hate playing overs. It's not fun for me. I don't enjoy it. Um, but I say that now and watch come game time, I'm going to jump on it. I, I'm talking myself into it more and more I talk about this game, which is the danger of talking so much to yourself on a podcast. So you guys tweet at me, talk me out of this because, because, because just listen, both games these two teams played this season went over their totals. Week 4's total was 53. It went over by 3 points. Week 14's was 51. It went over by 2 points. So we're talking about 56 points and 53 points. And you're telling me that's not going to happen again when the Rams are missing two safeties and 
the freaking Cardinals are missing a bunch of wide receivers. So I guess, oh, how are they going to score? But like, that's not something I'm worried about for this team. I haven't been worried about that the last couple weeks for them. So I guess that's just what you're worried about is, is Stafford going to turn the ball over a bunch or the Cardinals going to be able to score a bunch. But if you look at the last couple weeks too, for Rams games, like so many of these have gone over 50 points. They've just been allowing a lot of points, it seems like. And like I said, I mean, they're 15th in opponents' points per game, and they're 6th in points per game themselves. So this looks very over to me. I know for a fact that Danny Burke, who hosts Rush Hour and also hosts the Chicago City Cast, is already on the over for this game. I saw that in our VEASAN Best Bets email, which you can sign up for on VEASAN.com if you subscribe to VEASAN. Um, you can get the email, too, but to get the bets, that's the subscriber feature. And I know... I have to pick a side here and I have to be with the Rams on this one. And I feel the way I felt when I said that I was going to bet on the Chargers versus the Raiders. And that was around three points. And I felt like this is a mistake. But I also think that I stand by that one still. So I guess I have to stand by this one as well. Three and a half though. Should I wait until game time and see if this keeps going down and maybe it gets to three, I don't know how much that helps because what's best case, I land on a push instead of them covering over four. But maybe I just keep waiting and letting people take the Cardinals. I feel like the bold move is to follow the numbers here, follow the research, lay the points at the Rams, and put it to bed. I just... Matt Stafford's hurt me too many times. He's hurt a lot of us. So maybe it's just lay it all on that interception prop. It's hard to say. I'll probably tweet it out before the game. I definitely will. So follow along to, to experience my agony or triumph live on Twitter. <laughs> Coming up, NBA action on Monday. Like I said, the Clippers early afternoon game and then the Lakers in the evening hosting the Jazz. Oh, it's going to be a train wreck. Plus, we're going to recap UCLA and USC's men's basketball games from Saturday. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, ready to talk about some NBA action. If you, again, are listening to this late on Monday or after, then you've missed it. The Clippers game already happened. I'm going to double check the time for you guys right now, actually. But uh, Pacers at the Clippers, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time is when that one starts. So that is Monday if you want some action on that, quick look at this. First of all, the Clippers on Saturday uh, at the Spurs, final score 101 to 94. Spurs win. It's way under the total, 219 and a half. I, it was under for me, that cash. That's great. My reasoning for that, I mean, a lot of recency as well. The Clippers missing a bunch of people. The Spurs, four of their last 10 went under, which isn't. A significant amount but the Clippers had three straight under and only seven of their last 20 games have gone over and they were against good offenses you know i.e the Nets Memphis etc so 
If you're not a top 10 offense and you're playing the Clippers, I don't expect these to go over the totals. I mean, it was set at 219 and a half. I've seen Clippers games as low as 209 and a half this season. I think even there was a 203 at one point when they probably had more of their players back as well to kind of shore up that defense, even though it plays well with all these players out as well. Spurs offense, nothing to write home about. So no shock here that finished with 195 points. I mean, 25 points under the total. So I've been talking about these Clippers unders for weeks, it feels like now, but if it's not broke, don't fix it. So, or don't change it. What's the, someone tell me, someone tweet at me. Um, but yeah, they're hosting the Clippers on Monday, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. And what do you think my favorite bet is for this one? It's under, and I was shocked because uh, I looked at the Pacers stats here. There are four factors, if you will. Which you can, I, I use cleaning the glass, by the way, if you're looking for a good stat website for NBA. And on there, the Pacers are middle of the pack or worse. So, like, we're talking like 15th or worse out of the 30 teams in the NBA in points per 100 possessions allowed. So, on the defensive side of things. And then on their offense, also points per 100 possessions, very middle of the pack or worse. I think that it's their defense was actually the worst side, but yeah, offense was like 15th, perhaps. Clippers still have players out, right? Luke Kennard and Winslow, health and safety protocols. Keeping an eye on that, waiting for their return anxiously, but still out and getting Kennard back is going to be nice, really nice for this Clippers team. All of it to say, I don't expect another high-scoring game unless the Clippers are playing a top-10 offense. I just don't expect that. That's just been kind of my rule of thumb with betting these. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's it for that one. Lakers. Let's talk about the Lakers. The Lakers are 6-1 to one to win the West right now. And Saturday, they lost to the Nuggets. It was brutal. Did you guys watch this? 133-96. to 96, Final score. Nuggets win. They easily covered. They were four-point favorites. And they won by 37 points. Again, I apologize. I don't remember where I saw this tweet, but I had to share it. Somebody tweeted, if you are losing by 37 points and you have LeBron James on your team, you that's an overhaul. You have a ton of problems. Who are the other players on this team that can't help enough with LeBron James on their team to lose by 37 points? Now, that said, LeBron did not have his best game. So that is why I didn't jump in on this Lakers game because you may remember if you listened to the pod on Friday, I talked about this Saturday game. And I said that the Nuggets were down some key players, but the Lakers should be able to win. And then I'd be looking for a spot to take some points with them. That spot did not happen. And that's great. That's actually okay, right? I forget. I think Gil Alexander, one of my absolute favorite handicappers from VSIN, who I got to know last year and I worked with on primetime action. He always used to say, uh, sometimes the best bets are the ones we don't make. And this is a perfect example because that spot just didn't happen for the Lakers. It's been happening a lot where all of a sudden you're getting 19 points or you're getting plus money on the money line with the Lakers to come back. And I will bet on LeBron James. But that said, LeBron was having a really off shooting night. 9 of 23. Still put up 25 points. So that speaks to his props, really. But 9 of 23, woof. So that just did not inspire a lot of confidence in me. Plus, they were against the Nuggets, and the Nuggets were playing really well. So um, I also said to look at Jokic over his rebounds. This one was a little, 
a little annoying. I didn't bet this one either. I don't bet a lot of props because again, that's just not that fun for me to bet. I like looking at them and seeing if I can find a an opening, but there's so many players. Basketball is a little bit easier than football in my opinion, but um, I'm just definitely not up to like one of my favorite guests on the Los Angeles City cast, Ariel Epstein's level, the prop queen um, from Yahoo Sportsbook. Definitely not on that level yet with my prop game. I just kind of like to focus. I don't know what it is. I've really been liking totals lately. That said, I said Jokic over his rebounds prop and he gets a triple double in the first 28 minutes. Number for the rebounds prop was set at 13 and a half. Now that said, I said over his rebounds prop, not knowing what the number was yet. And 13 and a half would be too high for me, even for Jokic. So not a play 13 and a half. That's a colossal number. And it makes sense, right? Like I said, we, I, the reason we set it up that way is that we knew the Lakers are not going to be dominating in the paint here. It was going to be all Jokic. So he finished with 12 and sat out the final 14 minutes. So he was two away from cashing that over and he sat out for 14 minutes. So at least the handicap was right. I wasn't really expecting the Nuggets to blow them out to the point where Jokic should sit down and, and again, get a triple double in 28 minutes. So that was a little unexpected, uh, but <laughs> I still like the handicap on that. I also said I leaned over for this game, depending on the number, uh, because there had been four straight overs for the Lakers and five of their last six, plus the Nuggets just beat the crap out of the Blazers, which is, again, not a defensive team at all, but uh, they beat them 140 to 108. I mean, they beat them by less points than they beat the Lakers. <laughs> That's the state of the Lakers right now, where their defense is worse than the Blazers. Oh no. Oh no. But yeah, the over hit very easily. That was my favorite play for this game. Um, 224 was the number. And so we went well over that. <sighs> now the Lakers have lost three straight. Number one, they had won four in a row before that. Me neither. Cause they've lost three straight and now they're back in action against an incredible jazz team the 29 and 14 Jazz, they're straight up 29 and 14. The Lakers are 21 and 22 now, back below 500. And it stings. It stings yet again. But maybe, I don't know. The way that they looked last game, I don't expect this to look a lot different than that Nuggets game. Um, and also, by the way, the Jazz just beat the Nuggets on Sunday, 125 to 102. So they beat them by 23 points and the Nuggets beat the Lakers by 37. So is this going to be even uglier than the Nuggets-Lakers game? Seems like it. Seems poised to be. And here's why. The Jazz, first in efficiency differential, first in points per 100 possessions, first in effective field goal percentage. Are you noticing a trend here? It's not a good one for the Lakers. Uh, Lakers, on the other hand, 23rd in points per 100 possessions, 23rd in efficiency differential. This is unbelievable, actually, to see numbers like this for the Lakers. Terrible. COVID injury issues for the Lakers. Obviously, Anthony Davis is still out, but his knee is supposed to be evaluated next week, so that's something to look forward to, question mark, I hope. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, all listed as day-to-day. -day. Really troublesome to see Dwight Howard on that list now since they have AD out. And like I said, 25th in offensive rebounding percentage for the Lakers. Just cannot have Dwight having issues as well with AD out. Um, I'm really interested to see how this kind of second half of the season looks for the Lakers once, again, crossing your fingers, you get AD back in the mix. Um 
I just don't know at what point you see a fully healthy team with the like workload that LeBron James has had to shoulder even. Are you going to have a fully healthy Lakers team at all this season? I don't know. 11th in effective field goal percentage, though. At least that's something going well for him. Uh, Malik Monk, by the way, was held to four points in that game versus the Nuggets. What the heck happened there? He's been cashing overs left and right. So I don't know if that was a result of, of him or more of the Nuggets, but it seems like it was just like he had a really off shooting night as well. So maybe it was just something going around for the Lakers. That needs to get rectified because that was the one thing that was helping LeBron out a little bit was him being able to rely on Malik Monk a little bit more. That said, Russell Westbrook did have 15 points, but how many shots did he take to get there? I mean, it was same stuff, different week. Jazz, COVID injury issues, Elijah Hughes, Hassan Whiteside, and Jared Butler all out. Health and safety protocols, COVID, you name it. Uh, so those are notable, but <laughs> I mean... This screams over to me. The Jazz defense is 12th in opponents' points per 100 possessions. Um, so kind of kind of middly, almost top 10, I guess. Um, and then 9th in opponents' effective field goal percentage. They are first in efficiency differential, so you know they're going to be able to score a ton of points here. I'm expecting a LeBron bounce back in his shooting. I don't think you're going to see him do that twice. That said, I don't know if he's hurting and he's been overworked and he's going to not be able to play a lot. Um who knows any of that, but what we do know is that this is uncharacteristic, this shooting that he had for the other night. Again, nine of, what, 25? 20, nine of 23 for 25 points. So expecting a bounce back in his shooting, um, even Malik Monk, expecting to see him kind of right that ship because he was, I mean, his points prop was 16 and a half last week. It got up to 17 and a half for the next game. Uh, and then all of a sudden a four-point game from him. So that was kind of odd too. Again, Lakers offense, nothing stellar as obvious by these stats, but I'm expecting to see a little bit more out of them, which is going to result in an over. I don't see how this doesn't result in an over unless LeBron James is not playing and is shooting poorly again. That's something to watch for, but I think we could see another over. There's no reason for this not to be as bad or worse than that Nuggets-Lakers game was, which is unfortunate. Before we go, last little basketball bit here, men's college basketball, UCLA and USC both played the Oregon teams on Saturday. You may remember the very exciting games on Thursday last week. A UCLA lost to Oregon, unfortunately. I, I said they gave that one away. I said they have to shoot better. And then they hosted Oregon State on Saturday. And man, did they shoot better. 61.7% field goal percentage for the Bruins. That's incredible. That's what they need to see every week. No one's keeping up with Gonzaga right now in terms of offense, but this is what you need to see from UCLA week in and week out. It can't just be like, oh, we had a good shooting night. Like, it, I mean, 60% is a lot, but <laughs> my standards are high. UCLA won that Oregon State game 81 to 65. It was pretty close the whole game, and Oregon State kind of just lost it in the final quarter, or really last part of the first or second half, excuse me. It's very confusing because the women's basketball teams play in quarters and the men's play in half. So that's fun. And then when they get to the NBA, they play in quarters again. But yeah, they kind of lost it in those last couple minutes, which is what I kind of expect from this Oregon State team for the better team to kind of pull away in the final minutes. I expected that to happen in the USC game last Thursday. I took USC minus three and a half and they kept falling behind and the minutes were ticking down and you could have gotten USC plus points at one point, plus four points, I think, because of how long it took them to kind of get back in charge of that game. But 
Oregon State's a real scrappy team, real annoying to play probably, honestly, but that's true of most of these Pac-12 teams. Uh, UCLA was 2-6 and six ATS since November 22nd, and they just missed this cover because they were 16.5-point favorites, which is a compliment to them. They only won by 16, only 16. Uh, maybe you got a better number than the closing number, but just missed it by half a point. That's why I hate betting a double-digit point spread. I bet Arizona minus 15 last Thursday, and I felt sick about it all day. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to watch that game, and luckily I didn't really have to because I was kind of keying in on the UCLA and USC games. Um, but it did cover. They did cover it. Uh, hate these double-digit spreads. Total was 145.5. If you did the math there, 81 to 65, it just hit. Total was 145 and a half, 146 is the points it landed on. And that is the kind of annoying overs that you see from these UCLA games, which is why you, I, you already know if you've been listening to the pod all this point or at any point that I hate betting overs. And I especially hate betting them in a UCLA game because they usually go under because UCLA's defense ideally is doing well, unless they're playing Long Beach State. That's like been the one exception. <laughs> Um, or getting blown out by Gonzaga, which still hurts. But look at this over. It hits by half a point. Like, just barely. That's so annoying. <laughs> and also, it's really UCLA's fault because of how well they shot. Like, this is more an indictment on how well they shot, not how their defense played, because their defense held them to 65 points. Um, so kind of comical. But yeah, unless I'm very confident. I mean, frankly, I, I didn't bet an under in this game, but I probably would have. This 145, I would have liked more like 148, which is easy to say after the fact. But uh, the way that Oregon State was playing on Thursday night, it would have been tough to bet an under for me here. But I probably would have. And so, I mean, you wouldn't have even been wrong, in my opinion. Because if you miss it by a half point, count that as a win. I mean, not in your spreadsheet, but just like in your heart. As for USC... They escaped narrowly that loss to Oregon State on Thursday that I was kind of talking about. They hosted Oregon, who just coming off that big win against UCLA, overtime win. Um, they hosted them on Saturday. USC was a six and a half point favorite. Total was 141 and a half, and they lost 79 to 69. I had to double check this one. I wrote it down wrong. I wrote it down that USC won by 10, but no, Oregon did. Road dog, win, cover, over hits, because it was 141 and a half. Why was it lower? Why was it lower than the UCLA-Oregon State game is my question. Uh, but the overhits here, the Trojans are averaging around 76 points per game this season and, you know, just around there, got 69. Numbers gone up in these conference games, actually, and their defense, especially against good quality opponents, has actually gone down. They're allowing around 69 points per game. I mean, they allowed nearly 80 against this Oregon team. I said earlier last week that Oregon had not beat any good teams yet, and that was my only hang-up about them, but that I was cautiously optimistic about how good this Oregon team was, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I'm just saying that's what made me land on Oregon plus 10 versus UCLA. I thought, no way you give double digits to Dana freaking Altman. Uh, they barely lost to Stanford. Barely. They beat UCLA, and now they've beat USC. So that goes out the window. They have beat good teams now. So so good, actually, to become the first Pac-12 men's basketball team to sweep a road trip against two AP Top 5 teams. By the way, if you don't think the Pac-12 is good, those two AP Top 5 teams are in the Pac-12. It's UCLA and USC. Uh, the Ducks offense, man, 
Pac-12's third best did not look like that. They have two players that average over a three per game and they shoot over 40%. If you don't think the Pac-12 basketball is good, you're wrong. And that's it. My job. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, we'll talk more about maybe UCLA football on Wednesday's show. I'm sure we'll have more NBA to talk about. And UCLA and USC basketball are both back in action on Thursday. So thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'll be back for more fun and games on Wednesday. Come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.